passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Their biggest mistake during the offseason was not adding Blink, the player. And there was a player you screamed about, and I just, just say it. Is this the Pat Myself on the Back podcast? Because I'm, I'm happy about this. J.D. Martinez. There it is. J.D. He would have fit exactly what you just said. <laughs> I mean, and listen, he had injury issues too and some crucial parts of the season. But in the end, his his overall numbers were extraordinary for just a pure DH. And guess what? They're in the playoffs. Yeah. And, you know, even though he missed a lot of time because he played 113 games, he had 33 home runs and drove in 103 runs. His numbers would have been the best on anybody on this team, including Alonzo and including Lindor. Higher OPS, 103 RBIs, 33 home runs. I can't say the Mets are a playoff team if they added J.D. Martinez, but their lineup would have been incredibly different having that bat in the middle of the order. Well, no, this is this is something that I always argue. And listen, I understand I, we had to give some of the young kids some opportunities. Some people had – we had to watch some people just torture us on a daily basis because they, they, they maybe have pictures of the freaking GM. I don't know. But you have to extend the lineup. And we literally – had like three or four players that we could rely on all season long. And it was Alonzo, Lindor, Nimmo for for someone that didn't walk as much, didn't really do work the count as the way he did previous years. The power numbers popped. So I gave him credit there. But besides those three hitters, we had like spells here and there, which is what was not good enough. He didn't have enough protect, protection. Yeah, the, the guy I would have mentioned as the guy I was probably asking most for during the offseason, did not have a great year. And that was probably Andrew Chafin with the Diamondbacks and both the Brewers. Like, he did not have a good year out of the bullpen. It's kind of a reminder that bullpen arms are very unpredictable. 
You know, you could look at a guy like Chafin, who had a pretty good year last year in 2022 with Detroit, and say, hey, that guy's a perfect fit. And then he comes out a year later at age 33, and he sucks. And it's part of the concern of bullpen arms that you never know year to year. And this is a broader point we'll talk more about during the offseason. I'm starting to think starting pitchers are becoming like that, too. Where for years, you never know about bullpen arms. Year to year, you have no idea. And it's starting to feel like most starting pitchers are the same way. You have your rare ones, the rare ones that you can trust, just like you have the rare closers that you can trust. But so many times now, and look here, I'll give you a few examples. Look at Sandy Alcantara. And now he needs Tommy John surgery, and he's out for the year. Last year, the guy's going out and winning the Cy Young. You know, Blake Snell from being mediocre to dominant winning the Cy Young. There's so much up and down when it comes to starting pitching. It's very, very unpredictable. That's why I don't have a great answer if I'm being fair to say, hey, this was the guy they needed to add. I screamed about it, and they didn't do it. I've had that before. I don't really have it this year because it was mostly bullpen arms and starting pitching arms like, hey, re-sign Jacob DeGrom, and let's face it, it would have been a disaster. Well, well real quick about the Chafin thing because I'm not saying that he would have been an insignificant arm because – the first few months were actually not bad. His ERA going into June 25th was 2.73. I don't know what his whip, 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 whip or strikeout totals were, but it was reasonable. And then he just fell to the face of the earth, and his ERA, I think, was somewhere the high fours. It was at five, sometime, some, somewhere in five at one point in time. But the point is where the Mets needed him most, he might have actually helped. It was yeah. the tail end of the season. He was terrible. Well, then, okay, great. He would have helped us in June, and then in a pennant race would have killed us in August. Great. Well, at least we were in a pennant race. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that would have been a positive. All right. He's no longer the manager of this team. The biggest critique of Buck Showalter from 2023. The biggest critique of Buck Showalter is that he lost his, his edge. He wasn't smart. He didn't outsmart anybody this year. That goes for the umpires. That goes for the opposition. He just was an average manager and he didn't show enough fight and he didn't protect his players. He basically got served every which way. Whenever there was an issue, whenever Scherzer's getting kicked out, Drew Smith's getting kicked out, he just walks up, oh you you you're right. Okay. Thanks. And then hmm. walks away. That that's my biggest issue with him all season long. There are individual moments. I named one earlier that came against Toronto where he's not walking Vlad to get to Biggio and he didn't have a great answer. And we could do that all day with any manager. There's a lot of moves you can criticize. Ultimately, it's not retaliating. It's not retaliating for the amount of Mets that continue to get hit in year two. It happened in year one. We kind of let it go. It happens in year two, and it continues to be a trend where nobody did anything about it. And Francisco Lindor said in that Mike Puma article a few months ago, maybe it would have helped team camaraderie if they had a fight. Well, you're the manager of the team. And you're a manager that's been around a real long time. And I don't buy that managers never order a pitcher to hit a guy. Like, of course it happens. They'll never admit it because they could get suspended. But at some point, especially with your team struggling, don't you have to do something about it? And I think that tone, that pacifist tone that the Mets had as a team all year, well, that tone's set by the manager. So more than anything else, I would say that. I think at one point, If we had recorded this podcast a week and a half ago, we would have criticized him for his handling of Mark Vientos and his insistence on Daniel Vogelback. I choose to believe that leaked report, and I've got no reason to believe it because I've insisted all year 
that managers make their own lineup. I really believe that. With Aaron Boone, with Buck Showalter, they make their own lineup. Yes, they have more information than ever before. Yes, general managers have more input. But I still think the manager decides a lineup. So if I wanted to, you know, prove myself correct, I'd say, I don't believe that report. But I do because I don't think Buck Showalter has any reason to lie. You know, he may be bitter against Billy Epler and the Mets, and he may want to manage the Anaheim Angels, but I don't think he would ever just flat out make something up. Plus, his words throughout the regular season echoed a guy that wanted versatility from the DH spot, and he wanted guys who could play positions on his roster. So I trust his words. So that critique of playing Vogelback and not trusting the young guys, look, not trusting the young guys was still a thing, and it's still a critique of Buck. But his insistence on playing Vogelback, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, that wasn't him. But now they're both gone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it doesn't matter from that sense. Yeah, I, listen, I, I love Buck a lot. And I, I do feel like he, which is scary. And that this is, a, this is a topic for a different day. But if Buck Showalter, who is someone that's a very well-respected manager, was handcuffed like that by Billy Epler, what are we doing here? What, and I've always said that. I've always thought that the managers these days get, get kind of handcuffed by whatever the management's saying. But you would think if you're going to trust somebody, Buck freaking show, Walter. Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. All right, a couple of more questions. The minor league player who you're most excited to see make their major league debut for the Mets in 2024 or in 2025. For me, it's Jet Williams. A guy whose first name is Jet. We'll start with that. That excites me. <laughs> Lazy. <A> Lazy take. <laughs> Dude, from the moment they drafted Jet Williams, I was excited. My kid was excited. I mean, it was, it was great. But here are the real reasons. He's five foot six with an eye like Wade Boggs. Like, he, so he's a little guy. He's got the Altuve, and he's right-handed like Altuve. But what's so incredible about Jet Williams when you see what he's accomplished at Brooklyn this season and what he accomplished in Port St. Lucie, Florida this season. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And he was only in Binghamton for a very short period of time. So I don't see what he accomplished in Binghamton is that he gets on base. Like his on base percentage in Brooklyn was 450. His on base percentage in St. Lucie was 422. Like to have that kind of on base percentage to draw that many walks at such a ridiculously young age of 19 years old. And look, any guy, that's going to make the major leagues at five foot six. You're going to love them. 
Look, there's a reason Altuve's loved. There was a reason Dustin Pedroia was loved. He's the little guy. And you could just tell he's going to play baseball like his ass is on fire. What position will he play? He's played a lot of shortstop. He's played a lot of center field. Those seem to be the two primaries. We'll see if they move him around a little bit next year. I think it's going to be tough for him to get to the majors in 2024. So it's probably more of a 2025 thing. But I'm just excited about a five foot six firecracker. And clearly, he comes up here and performs. He'll be the most popular man. He just will be. A guy like that will always be your most popular player. So whether it's next year or 2025, I'm most excited about Jet Williams. All right. Well, I'm going to go a different route here. It's because we don't have many of these starting pitchers. Mike Vassell, 6'5", I think he's 23 years old currently right now, which is ridiculous. These guys are so young. But um, <laughs> makes us feel old, dude. He's born in two thousand. It's it's scary. But that being said, though, like he had a, he did really well in AAA. I know he wasn't crushing it in the other leagues as as much, but he was he undeniably his best performances were in the AAA, and it's exciting because we don't have many good prospects, pitching prospects. So I need to see them. So I'm excited to see what he what he could bring. I think Double A was actually where he, he did the best. I think his ERA was three point seven. He had moment. He had moments at AAA. Like his overall numbers at AAA are not good. It's like a five and a half ERA. But if you go through his game logs, he had some, you know, pretty good starts. That's why sometimes numbers can be deceiving. But I I just I need to see a kid that's going to be especially a tall kid, a big kid like that. I want to see what he could do in the big leagues, and it's exciting to know that he's that close to making the bigs. I, I, I'm hoping to see him next year, and hopefully he could be somebody that actually could be in, at least in the back end of the rotation. That wouldn't be bad, right? Uh, they could use it. I mean, this this franchise can absolutely use adding, you know, young, homegrown starting pitching, even if they're not aces. You know, we always want guys to be aces and turn into that. But at this point, you take anything. I mean, geez, we need some real-life breathing starting pitch. Yeah, I, I think we're all sick of the Doug Petersons and Tyler Morgills. And no offense to those guys. I'm sure they're, they're, they're very lovable. But I'm tired, dude. Like, I cannot talk about the, David Peterson and Tyler McGill as as alternates or, like, you know, backups or whatever. Like, it's it's done. They're not working. We need to move to, move to the next step. It's not the bullpen either for them. No, I get you. All right, this is going to be a tough one. And it's our final question in our exit interview of the 2023 season. The best moment of 2023. Oh, my God. The best moment of 2023. When it ended. The season, when the season ended. <laughs> I mean, I, that was a, the relief. No, I mean. <sighs> I have a game, by the way. I okay. do have a game. You go first. You go first on this. All right. Here's my game for you. Now, tell me if anybody remembers this one. Because they did have some really, really good wins. I was thinking about... The homestand against Cleveland, you know, the homestand against Tampa Bay where they had those dramatic victories. But that isn't it. And I think if you go back to the old Rico Bronia archives, you'll see our reaction to this game. It was July 5th, 2023. The Mets were 39 and 46. They were playing a game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And Kodai Sango was on the mound. And Kodai Sango was utterly brilliant. I mean, he was so good in this game. The problem was the Mets couldn't hit. And Kodai Senga made one mistake. He gave up a home run to Christian Walker in the bottom of the seventh inning that broke the 0-0 game up. It was one nothing, but Senga was dominant. And they wouldn't take him out. 
And not only did he finish through that seventh inning, he finished through the eighth inning. Pitched a nice, clean one, two, three bottom of the eighth inning. Eight innings, one run, 12 strikeouts. The problem was the Mets are down one nothing, And Kodai Sang is about to lose. And the top of the ninth inning rolls around. And Starling Marte grounds out the second. This is all against Andrew Chafin, by the way, our guy, who we mentioned earlier in the pod. Starling Marte grounds out. Jeff McNeil flies out. Two outs, nobody on, Mets are about to lose, late at night, and Francisco Alvarez, and he did this a bunch, he did this a bunch in his rookie season, went apo taco for a game-tying, stunning solo home run to make it 1-1, and then two batters later, Brett Beatty singles, next batter, and Mark Canna tripled off the fence in center field. Mets take a 2-1 lead. David Robertson, one, two, three, good night. Mets beat the Diamondbacks two to one. It was an incredible victory. Sangle was as brilliant as maybe he had been all season long. Alvarez was incredibly clutch. And at that point in the season, the Mets are starting to get hot. It was their fourth consecutive victory. They had already won a couple of games against the Giants. They had won the opener of the series the night before. And again, like I had mentioned earlier, there was a little bit of a hope that they were making a run. But when you think about the way they win a game like that, down to their final out, down to their final strike, Alvarez hitting a home run, Senga's brilliance, uh, being on the road almost added to it a little bit because you're sitting there, it's late at night, you're not in the ballpark, you're like, "Ah, am I going to go to sleep? And to stunningly, just out of nowhere, come back like that, I think that was the most pleased I was from the 2023 season. All right, so... I think the high moment for me as a whole, this wasn't really because of the game as much because there was there was the one game where they, we, we, the Mets came back. Vientos, I think, had that big hit when he first got called up. Alvarez, that was the Tampa series, I think, right? Yeah, In May? yeah, exactly. I think it was the 8-7 game. Was that what yep. it was? Yeah, the, oh, the win off of P.P. Fairbanks. That was ridiculous. That, I think that's probably the high watermark as far as how a game went, but for me, I think the happiest I was the season and thought that there was so much to go forward was after the Philly sweep, June 1st. Max Scherzer goes seven innings, nine strikeouts, only gives up one one run. I think we beat up on, not so much on Tom Walker, Walker, but he only went four innings. But at that point in time, we finish and we're 30 and 27, and I'm feeling good about this team, and we're hitting June, and I'm like, we're about to take off. And that was like my high watermark of the season, and then we went and tanked it. <laughs> Even our happy moments from the season all end in depression. <laughs> like, oh, it was great, and then we lost, and then we died, and then the season was over. Yeah, the next game was the the, the Chris Bassett game <laughs> where he's like, you know what, I don't need to go see my kid get born. I'm going to go pitch my balls off and make sure that the Mets lose. Uh, so depressing. We will do our favorite wins and losses, rank them, of the season coming up a little bit later on during the offseason. Uh, that will be depressing. Even the wins will be depressing because the wins led to what, ultimately? The start and stops of 2023. But that's our exit interview. Hopefully you feel more educated about what the hell happened and what went wrong with this 2023 season and how it was one of the worst seasons in the history of the franchise. Any thoughts, of course, you can email the Rico B at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. We'll be here at least twice a week throughout the off year, but usually a lot more than that because whenever there's breaking news, 
and there's rumors and there's big news, we pop on and give you extra Rico. We actually do more Ricos during the offseason than we do during the regular season. So stay tuned wherever you download podcasts and keep an eye on it. We appreciate you listening to another off-season edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.